I come to you from Concordia University, Irvine, where I've served there for five years, and I'm currently the DCE program director, and I'll give a little commercial for that at the end, because how that could apply to you, even if you're not 19 to 22, we have an option for you to get certification. But with that being said, um, before I served at Concordia, Irvine, I've been a DCE in different states across the country, so Idaho, Arkansas, Kentucky, and Florida. So 15 different years, 15 years, and then coming back to my alma mater was a very nostalgic moment. Um, not so much for my four boys, because they loved living in Florida, but they've adjusted now. And two of my boys are here, they're 14 and 17, so I get to have that experience as a parent who is having their child go to the NYG. And then my nine and four-year-old sons are home, or four, my, oh, no, nine and six. I do not want a four-year-old anymore. My nine and six-year-old are at home with my husband, who's also a Lutheran teacher, so it's great that he's home and available to take care of them as well. So it's uh, wonderful to be here, and as we talk about moving from programs to relational ministry, I know as a DCE, we were taught that it's all about relationships. Anybody else be hearing that in ministry? It's all about relationships, right? But then we kind of struggle with that balance of, but we have to have like a program to get them to come to have a relationship with them, right? So let's just all agree that we're not here to learn about programs to build relationships, correct? Or did somebody come in for that? Um, but we're here to say, well, how do I just maybe take those programs to become more relational? Yes? Okay, then hopefully we are all on the same page and the evaluation will be that we are in line. So the first thing is we're gonna take a little test. All right, each of these have different point values and I will tell you what the scoring system is after you answer the quiz on the screen. So a student invites you to their track meet. Do you go to the student's track meet? If you're gonna be late, no big deal, just show up during the last half of the event. Third one, you can't make it at all, so send them a text to see how it went. It's still incredible. But sh shoot, it's too late at night to even text now, so you say a prayer for them and then let them know about it next week at youth group. How many of you went with the first answer? How many of you with the second, third, fourth? Okay, so we've got some answers all across the board. So here's the good news. Uh, if you did the first one, you get an A plus and 10 points. Clap and cheer, that's good. Now the rest of you are really freaking out what the grading scale's gonna be, aren't you? That's okay. Second one, give yourself an A plus and 10 points. Okay, now some of you are like, oh, this is the professor that says C is always the answer, right? Third one, A plus and 10 points. Very good. You see where we're going now? It's like a D all and above, yes. The last one, A plus and 10 points. So it all counts. Obviously, some things are bigger than others, but the whole point is that relational ministry is both big and small things, okay? Uh, at the very core, it's about connecting with a student to let them know that you care for them and that you are there for them. I wanna make sure that we can hear as uh, leaders that work with youth is that sometimes we can't make it to all of their things and by finding other ways to connect and show them that support and care is, like I said, if there's big things. What would we say would be the big thing on this list? The first answer, right? 
We physically took that time away from our schedule, away from our family, and we sat there with their parents, which is huge. How many of you have done this before? We know we're able to get to know the mom and dad for maybe an uninterrupted hour or whatever that experience may, may be. I remember sitting at ice skating competitions in Florida and being like, this is really cool. I've only seen it on the Olympics. And just like learning all about what their kid does. I'm not spending time with the student, but the relational connection then with the parents can take you even farther. That's big. But we can't be at all of their things. And I've talked to many church workers and I see the conversations online where they're getting burnt out because they're trying to go to all of the events. And so we sometimes need to give ourselves some boundaries in what we can and can't make it to. And if we're going to all of our, the other students' events and not our own children's events, for those of us with family, then things may not be prioritized correctly but also giving ourselves permission or the expectation. If we go to everything when we started a congregation for every youth, they're gonna expect you to do that for everyone, right? And, and to kind of be mindful of whose things do we go to and maybe whose don't we go to. Do we only go to sporting events? Do we sometimes make a choir show as well? Because our students have all sorts of interests. And so to give yourself some permission that there's other ways that we can be relational without having to physically be present. And so to kind of look at a balance of what that could be, but give yourself some grace and um, a healthy pace, a grace pace. Hashtag that. Sound good? All right, so here's some things to chew on, and I'm not gonna have you break, break into discussion on this, but you might wanna take a picture of it, take it back with you, and just talk about this with your team, whether it's your volunteer team, maybe your ministry team, um, and I'm just gonna read them out loud. I want you to kind of ponder about this, chew on this a little bit um, in our next 20 minutes that we have left together. Can you honestly say that the ministry model you have in place is truly relational? Are your students forming meaningful and spiritual relationships with the adults in your church? Do you have volunteers who teach students Bible study each week and yet have not invested themselves relationally in the students' lives? And for some of us in the room, that might be you. Do you do your thing, but then you just move on? Last one, if you're a youth leader, think about this. If you suddenly disappeared, would the youth ministry at your church continue? If you answer no, is part of the reason because there are not enough adults invested in the lives of your teenagers. Okay, I see a lot of heads nodding, see some pondering, um, maybe, some, maybe some of you are triggered, I don't know. That's our favorite word in our house right now. Mom, dad is so triggered. Okay, well, it's like so trendy too, right? Please define trigger, right? So, Simple slide here. Relational ministry takes time, but it's really not as much time as you think. So just kind of some basic things. So I have some seven truths that we're going to go through, um, to, and they each are described here, so you can see the first one. First truth. Students will sometimes get honesty from their friends, but they need a leader who tells them the hard truth out of love. They need someone who sees God's best for them and will work with them to bring it out. Next one, unconditional love. Love is one of the most confusing and often misunderstood words to students. Leaders need to model what it looks like to love unconditionally. And you can start by telling students that you love them and that you won't leave them and then actually follow through on that promise. I often tell them that I am not like other adults because I will not let them stray the same but will push them to grow. 
So I really resonate with this slide the most because having two teenage sons at home, that word love does trigger me if I'm checking their texts and they're talking with girls at school and they'll be like, oh yeah, I love you. And I'm like, hold up, drop the phone. We're, you don't have a job, which means you can't date yet. So this is not something we're allowed to do. You know, that's kind of our family policy right there. You gotta have a job before you can have a girlfriend. It's a good rule, right? Support the world. Okay, that's a whole nother session. But I feel like this is a whole, it's a confusing thing for them because it's thrown around so much. And love means, in some of our teenagers' minds, acceptance. And if you love me, then anything can go, right? And so with that, though, many of our teenagers don't hear I love you from parents. And so there's not, kind of an unclear message of what is love. So the message that we can give as youth leaders, and I, I even have said this to my college students, and I say, I love you. And I know it's not a sexual love that we're talking about here, but that I'm saying, I love you so much, and I'm here for you, and I want to, I want to help you in this journey. So um, let's talk about this again in a few weeks. I want to follow back with you. I want to hear what's going on. So there's the accountability. We're going to push them to grow. and we're gonna, So it's not just all butterflies and candy all the time, and we just stroke them and make them feel good. We're helping them grow. You know, They need that too, butterflies and candy but we need to help those students grow. So it's important to use those words with our students that, that we can show them that unconditional love. Um, it's important that we don't make promises we can't keep. So if you don't think you're gonna be in ministry for the long haul and you're only committing for maybe a six month stint or maybe two years because you wanna get them ready for the next youth gathering, to be honest with them about that. But also kind of check yourself and what's your commitment to these students because they're, they're letting you into their lives, but really they're gonna be ministering to you probably more than you realize you're ministering to them. And how much we learn from our students, way more than the wisdom we think we have to bring the teens in our church. They teach us a lot. And so if you're, if you're signing up or you have signed up or were voluntold to be here, um, I hope you consider this for the long haul because teens need you. And they're so glad that you're here, even though they might not show it, but they do need you. And the long haul counts. Here's a woman in the front row that was part of my congregation in Arkansas. Uh, I left that congregation 12 years ago. And I saw three of the students yesterday, and they're taller than me. And I went, oh my gosh, I left here 12 years ago. They're like, oh, Miss Rebecca, Miss Rebecca, it's so great to see you. I have not been called Miss Rebecca in a long time. But they, you know, to see them grow up over 12 years was amazing, and to see them here. And Kim was my parish ed director. And here's Kim, still a part of the ministry, still bringing them to the youth gathering. Her daughter, by the way, is one of the girls on stage singing. So that's Laura Pearson. She has graduated from Concordia too. But anyway, so it's kind of amazing, but look at those relationships that continue over time. Even after you've left a congregation, you've moved on and started in other places, the bridge is still intact. <laughs> you know, those relationships even with parents are key and keeping that love unconditional. Um, humble honesty. Students will be blessed by having a leader who shares their life story with them, not someone who only preaches at them. Tell them the redemption story of your life Allow them to see and understand your mistakes and let them know the peace you have from forgiveness. So here's where sometimes in ministry we wonder, well, how much do I really tell them about my mistakes, right? 
And if you were in, some of you are in my sessions the last two days, and we talk about boundaries, healthy boundaries with that and what's appropriate. And we need to have that discernment and that understanding at this level as well. But in our struggles and in our experiences, we can all direct them towards Christ in how his redemption has helped us through that hard time. We all have challenges. They may not be the same generationally, but God has helped us through those experiences. So we learn in our own maturity and in our own self-reflection that it really isn't about me and how I reacted or how I freaked out or what I thought. We can redirect those stories and those sharing times more maturely in a humble way to focus that on Christ. And that's hard to do because we are sinful humans. And we tend to redirect that back to ourself and back to me instead of keeping the focus on Christ and his power and forgiveness through our story. Does that make sense? You guys getting that? Okay. The next one is challenge. Paint a picture for students of what they can do for God. Let them see how God has used students to accomplish his goals. Help them understand what God wants to do in them and through them. There's that hope and encouragement of moving forward. And we can still be the fun guy at church, but we're bringing something different to them that maybe other adults don't have an opportunity to share. We can bring Christ into that fun. We can bring Christ into those shared moments that are encouraging them and showing them maybe a bigger picture and a different dream that another adult hasn't painted for them. So we have such a wonderful opportunity and you guys are in such a great place in their lives to be that mentor for them. Five is selflessness. Students have one great love, let's say it together, themselves, right? It is a vital responsibility of the leaders to work at teaching their students the act of selflessness. By putting others' needs first, leaders have the opportunity to consistently show students that life is about more than just themselves. So you can see I've been talking about that already. You're seeing a theme of how a lot of this relational ministry kind of does caveat go together, flow together along the same thread. But you have an opportunity to just show them it's bigger than yourself. Number six is value. Students are bombarded daily from every direction about who they should be in the eyes of the world. Smart, attractive, wealthy, funny, etc. A leader should build intentional relationships, challenges them in areas that reach deeper, reminding students of their potential in Christ, showing them what is important by how you spend your money and how you give your time. Okay, here we go. Professor Duport is having you check yourself again. But what are you modeling to the students? Okay? So easy example, this may trigger some of you, but are we showing up at every youth group with our venti or trenta-sized uh, latte from Starbucks and Frappuccino, right? And, our, um, and I'm talking like more ladies here on this side, and our nails are done, and we talk about how we just had our hair done, and I just bought my newest um, Louis Vuitton bag. So our, that's great. And I love those things too. But if that's like every Sunday morning, then what's being modeled to our young women and even our young men, but more of our young women is that that's what I need, that's what I should have, materialism. Does that mean you come in in rags? 
and like your water and you're just like, oh, I'm so poor. I can't do anything. I give it all to the church. No, no. We appreciate good things, but it's also just to think about what, what image, but how you're, are you being authentic with your students? Are you being real? Or are you being that youth leader that's trying to look cool? Okay, there's the possible trigger. Are you trying to look cool? Um, I, I'm really bad at, some, at social media and having teenagers, it's like a constant, mom, your posts are so lame. Mom, you should be on Instagram more. Mom, why can't I? I'm like, well, stop. Anyway, I started following this one about preacher sneakers. Have you guys seen this one? It's hilarious and that they're poking fun of the sneakers that preachers wear, and then it says like how much those sneakers cost. And so it's a lot of non-denom churches, but I've known some Lutheran guys on this same, same uh, path, but these sneakers are like $900, $1,500, and it's like, I had no idea, but it's like a thing. It's like, this is the image, this is what we wanna portray as we're leading worship. Great, okay, they're probably paid that because there's like thousands of people in the congregation. However, I kind of transfer that down to youth ministry and say that it's important of what value are we setting for our students. And we're, we are expecting them to let us into their life to guide and direct and influence and encourage. At the same time, we're inviting them into ours because it should be our stories and our examples of Christ's redemption and forgiveness that is being displayed to them to encourage them in their life they're also a part of what's going on, aren't they? Doesn't mean we balance the family budget with them on youth night, okay? That would be an inappropriate boundary that's being broken there. But it's also, if do we find ourselves trying to fit an image that's really not us, okay? Or, hey, I love getting a Starbucks every day. I can afford to do that. That's just how I roll. Well, great, that's who you are, and that's what happens on Sunday morning. Don't change that. But um, I think you're kind of understanding. Just to kind of check yourself a little bit about what values are you setting an example for with your students. And if you do, um, I know a great thing that I've been able to even talk to my college students about is how as a Sunday school in Florida, they sponsored a child um, from Compassion International and how it was more about the financial um, support. They really want the written letters and communication and the relationship from you. And so when I started at that congregation, the treasurer said, oh yeah, so Sunday school has this, uh, this kid in India that they've been paying for forever, but I don't know what you wanna do with that. And I'm thinking, well, we're gonna keep paying it. It's $35 a month, or whatever it was. And then I got a phone call because somebody at Compassion International knew there was transition in leadership and the church had kind of fallen away on contact. And they told me, it's more important that we get letters from you. The money's great. And please thank you for your monthly support. But the letters would be wonderful. And so we transitioned something with our children where we empowered the fifth and sixth grade Sunday school class to be the class that would write letters to Jay. And that class would then, when we received a letter from Jay, his name was Jatothu, we went by Jay. Um, when we'd get a letter from Jay, then I would empower those students during Sunday school opening to read that letter to the rest of the 35 kids and hear what's going on with Jay. So it became more ownership, more of a relationship to our entire Sunday school ministry that then kids in preschool were excited to bring their quarters and dollars for Jay because 100% of their offering went to Jay each month. 
And in the summer months when we didn't have Sunday school, there was enough to keep that going because there was enough that came in every month. We had some of the, the upper sixth graders then would rotate on who would count the money. It was like mini church, you know? The treasurers were, they were counting it, writing it down on the ledger, turning it in. And so just empowering a program that built a relationship that um, even though I'm not there, I've been gone for five years, they still continue that relationship piece because it became so valuable beyond just the church cutting a $35 check. So there's some things that you may already be doing that just needs a little tweak to become more relational, not just between you and your students, but with your students and other students, students and other adults, um, so that it's just more connected beyond the program. Consistency. Empty promises are hard to forget. What if our students had a relationship with someone they knew they could always count on? Leaders who are consistent do what they say and keep their promises, okay? What would that look like? And of those seven um, concepts that we discussed, which one do you think you need to work on the most? And what areas do you feel you're already doing well? So the hard truth, this is about speaking the truth in love, unconditional love, humble honesty, learning from your mistakes, challenging them to accomplish his goals, selflessness, value, and consistency. So how do you think it would impact students' small groups to have leaders that were friends? Just good discussion concept here. What about mentors? If your mentors are friends, meant friends with each other, friends with the students. Now we're going to look at a little bit of boundaries. How can you tell if you have become too much of an authoritarian and not compassionate enough? Okay? How can you tell if you've become too much of a friend to your students and not enough of a mentor? And what is the one of the seven things we discussed? We talked about that, so skip that. So these are some other things really to kind of do some personal check yourself and um, good accountability with that, to ask maybe other adults that are part of the ministry, you can say, hey, do you think I'm too connected? Or am I too connected with some students and not others? And um, that's a hard thing. I had an adult come up to me after my session yesterday and say, hey, um, how do I tell my friend who is, is like my best friend, but she's like in charge of the youth group, that she's only paying attention to a certain group of people in the youth. How, how, do, I, how do I tell her that? Okay, well, we, that's great feedback. So if you're that friend in that leadership position with people around you or even you're not, it's great to ask other people's perception of you because perception is 80% of that person's reality. So you may feel you give everybody equal time. Just maybe at youth group, this is, these are the pals you like, like hanging out with you tend to click with them more. And maybe you connect with all these other students behind the scenes or in other ways, but the perception is these are your favorites. They may not be, but if that's somebody's perception of you, done. You've been labeled, you've got to fight against that. And so it's great to kind of get a litmus test and a pulse from others as to the perception of your relationships with students. You may feel you're very connected and the perception may be that you're not. And so asking that about yourself kind of also gives some indicators on where to put some more time.